Well, hello there, everyone. Uh, my name's Raj. Uh, welcome to our Jubilee Church service online. Uh, a little bit unusual, I know. Um, or as I like to colloquially call it, our Jubilee Cyber Church. May the force be with you. Um, firstly, I would like to ask a big question. How are you doing? How are you doing? These are tricky times, aren't they? They underline our frailty and weakness as human beings. We are not as invincible as we think. These times cause fear and frustration and confrontation sometimes, worry, depression maybe, anxiety. As a church, we are increasingly making contact with those at greater risk or those who are more vulnerable than others. We are asking our community uh, group leaders, community groups, to make sure we are looking out for everyone. I know a lot of you are doing that. Well done. We are deliberately trying to communicate with you more and more through emails and Facebook posts and other methods. If you're part of the Jubilee family and are not receiving these communications, then please email our office. Give us a buzz. Let us know. If you don't have access to this kind of technology, um, make us aware. We will do everything we can to support our Jubilee community. Listen, in times of physical isolation, we need to make sure we are connecting technologically, either through screens or the phone. I loved how having our uh, Southside community group gathering via Zoom video chat software the other Tuesday. Listen, keep in touch. The situation is likely to get worse before it gets better. But hear this. By the grace of God, Jubilee, we will get through this together. Look out for one another. Pray for our church. Also pray for our decision makers and frontline workers and the poor and vulnerable. They are probably going to be hit the hardest. Pray for families in other nations. We are here. We're not hearing a lot about Africa or the Middle East or India uh, on our TVs at the moment, but this is going to hit them. This morning I was talking with Michael Rakosha in Ghana. It's good to connect. God knows what is going on. Keep praying, Jubilee. So this morning's talk is, is really continuing from where Gavin left off last week. We are looking at what the Bible calls the fruit of the Spirit. In the Apostle Paul's letter to the Galatians, he encourages them and us to be filled with God the Holy Spirit more and more. To be captivated by him, to hear him, to put aside time for him. But it's also a supernatural thing, not just a relationship. It's a miraculous privilege that Jesus promised us before he ascended into heaven. He said, I will not leave you as orphans, but by my grace, by my supernatural power, I will come to you come to you? How, Jesus? In what way? Answer? By an indwelling God who guides us and comforts us and stands beside us, changes us from the inside, fruiting outwardly in our lives with joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Like a big tree that is heavily laden with all of these succulent fruits, fruits of the Spirit. In many ways, this 
fruiting, as Paul describes it, is a call to an ever-creasing holiness of God's people. An ever-increasing likeness to the one who is called holy, 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 our God Almighty. And that happens primarily through God's Spirit, indwelling, shaping and moulding our very lives, as Gavin shared so beautifully with us last week. Listen, Christianity isn't so much DIY, do it yourself. It's much more D-I-W-H, do it with him. God, the Holy Spirit. And so this morning, I want to unpack the first fruit of the Spirit, which is love. This is the centerpiece of the whole Bible story. When the Apostle Paul, the same Apostle Paul that wrote Galatians, talks about love in probably the most famous passage on love, the most famous marriage reading of all, 1 Corinthians 13, he says, all of the spiritual attributes which we are given, faith, the ability to hear God, prophesy, wisdom, divine knowledge, supernatural spiritual gifts. All of these gifts are good. They're amazing things. Above all of these things, however, the thing that takes centre stage is love. Love trumps everything. Love jubilee is the bullseye. One of the most fascinating things about the way God is described compared to many other views of God is how Christians see God as intimately and passionately loving. Charles Wesley, one of the uh, founder leaders of the Methodist Church in Britain, shortly after his conversion in 1738, quite controversially wrote a hymn that made many squeamish and some offended. With its opening lines, they went like this. Jesus, lover of my soul, let me to thy bosom fly. There was uproar at the time. Over the years, many people have tried to uh, change those words, making them more palatable. Jesus, the redeemer of my soul. Jesus, the saviour of my soul. But none of those variations quite cut the mustard. They didn't quite get to the depth of emotional revelation that Wesley got from his newfound, beautiful, captivating relationship with Jesus. A passionate, yearning, blazing lover. The lover of my soul. But you know what? We might blush at that, but it's the way God is depicted throughout the whole Bible. It's the difference between a Christian's understanding of God and other people's understanding of God. When, when, when some of my friends sometimes say, I don't believe in God, I often reply to them, well, what kind of God that, is it that you don't believe in? To which they usually give me some, um, some answer like he's an up there, out there God, a finger pointing God, a highly judgmental, distant, freedom destroying, fun bashing, nasty, evil God. To which my reply is, you know what? I don't believe in that God either. Jesus is the lover of my soul. Right at the start of the Bible, in Genesis 1 and 2, we have all creation coming together. Galaxies, oceans, animals, countries, mountains, light and darkness. It's all forming before the God of the universe. But quite surprisingly, the highlight, the turning point of all creation isn't actually all these things. What is it? 
It's a man marrying a woman. Covenant, lifelong, come what may love. Odd that, isn't it? Later in Exodus and Deuteronomy, other books in the Bible and Numbers and other books, we see Yahweh, the God of the Bible, describing his people's misconduct and sinfulness. Not in a kind of, hey, pull yourself together, guys, kind of way. Not in a stop dissing me, you're breaking all my rules. No, he says something altogether different. He describes their sin and behaviour in terms of sexual misconduct unfaithfulness affairs you're cheating on me god says you're you're committing adultery why because jesus is the lover of my soul and then we get into the prophets isaiah micah jeremiah isaiah describing god as a close loving husband Isaiah 62 says this, as a bridegroom rejoices over his bride, so will your God rejoice over you. What a thought. And you know what? It just keeps going on again and again, right to the very end of the history of the universe. When we get to the last book of the Bible, Revelation, what do we see there? The ultimate rule book, maybe the ultimate governant cabinet with Jesus in the middle, a glorious army with spiritual weapons. No. What do we see? A wedding and a wedding like no other. Revelation 19, 6 reads, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride, you and me, Jubilee, has made herself ready. Look, Jubilee, friends who are listening, do you see it? Creation starts with a wedding and ends with a wedding. Do you hear what God is shouting over you and me, all of his creation? I don't just want you to be my subjects. I don't just want you to be in dutiful service towards me. I don't just want to be simply your master. I want you to be my spouse, my most intimate love. You are my precious bride. In these times, Jubilee, we need to hear, we need to hear that. Our world needs to hear that. Your friends, your streets, your neighbours, your colleagues need to hear that. A husband doesn't always promise that everything will always be okay. Everything will be comfy and cosy and unproblematic. He doesn't do that. I don't do that. But he does say, I'll stand with you through thick and thin. I'll be there for you. I will never leave you. As one Bible teacher writes, Ray Ortland. He says marriage is not just another mutation of human social evolution. No way. It's a divine creation intended to reveal the ultimate romance guiding all of time and eternity. Look, Jesus is the lover of my soul, your soul, nothing less. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth for his love is more delightful than wine. That's a quote from the second most wisest man in all of history as he talks about his God, your God. Question, 
Is that your view of Jesus? Have I made you blush enough? I hope so. Because that's the glorious intimacy of our Christian God. And all our relationships are meant to be a reflection of that ultimate relationship. Matthew in Matthew 22, Jesus says, said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind, with everything you have. This is the first commandment and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. It's also the greatest commandment. Love your neighbour as yourself. Everything hang on these two commandments, says Jesus. I want to encourage you over these coming months to take your eyes off yourself, off the situation. Look to God and direct that relational closeness and intimacy that you have with God into the lives of others. Love God, love each other. Be deliberate. Maybe he's a challenge for you. Starting tomorrow, maybe you'll pick five people who you are not necessarily in close friendship circles with and start showing them concern, kindness, support, God's love. Look out for them in, in these times of difficulty. It might be your neighbour, it might be your colleague, it might be a frontline worker, it might be another, it might be a school friend or a college friend or a university friend. It might be someone who is isolating. Text them, ring them, offer to help in an appropriate way. Pray for them. Let God's love change their experience of this difficult situation. Let them know that you believe in a God who cares and is with you and with them. Jesus, the lover of my soul. That's the lover, Jubilee, we need above all else. I like to end with a short film from the Bible Project that brings all this together in a way that calls us to be the love of God to all we encounter. That's what the church wants to be known as now and forever. Thanks for listening. Keep being the church jubilee, bringing the joy news of Jesus to everyone, everywhere. Thanks for listening.